Okay, I believe this is episode 89. I've always got to go on Twitter and check these days, but I think this is episode 89. And um, yeah, it's it's great to hook up back up with uh, Pete Fletcher because he's been a globetrotter again. Pete, how the fuck are you doing? And where the fuck have you been? <laughs> now then. Hey, how you doing, man? <laughs> I'm good, man. I'm good. Fuck off, Pete. <laughs> oh, how dare you? How dare you? <laughs> so where um, have you been? What have you been up to? Shame. Uh, let's see. I've, I've, I've been around, man. So, um, so every, every, uh, back at back of the year, we have this thing where, uh, I have to go do a work trip for Barcelona for, for, for VMware, uh, now Broadcom. Uh, but also, uh, there's another company that, uh, there's like a partner event in Prague and they're usually like a month apart or a couple of weeks apart. So what my mm-hmm. wife and I end up doing is like, well, if they're going to pay for us to go to these events and, you know, we're working <laughs> there, we might as well, you know, throw a little vacation in between as opposed to like coming all the way back to the states and then going all the way back to the second one it just doesn't make sense yeah. so it's like well we'll just we'll stay so um yeah we did a little italy uh and then in between the two work events we went to vienna uh which was beautiful amazing and then on the back end because it was our anniversary we went to uh, valencia and to malaga and i'll tell you what man uh, M- valencia and malaga are very high on my list of places to uh to move to <laughs> <laughs> oh really gorgeous i mean ridiculous I, I really want to live in valencia anyone who's listening if you live in valencia please dm me we'll become best friends and uh and i'll move there <laughs> oh, was this the same trip last year when i did around the world in 80 states pretty much yeah <laughs> i was thinking about that i was like is he gonna is he gonna <laughs> clown me again with another uh, of his fine graphic uh achievements <laughs> I still wake up in the middle of the night laughing about that. <laughs> it's just you with that fucking top hat and that cane. <laughs> oh man. Uh, oh dear. Well, no, that's good, man. It's good that um, it's good that you're a fucking globe trotting jet setter. Okay. <laughs> it's coming oh, yeah, from the man who doesn't get on a plane. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm just on the work trip. Yeah, right. Fucking hell. What's that like? An hour of work and then 23 <laughs> hours of right. Let's go. Let's go enjoy ourselves. Yeah, it's ups and downs. Actually, like obviously when you're on vacation, it's great, but then uh, then you have to like go away. You're still in Europe, enjoying. You know, you've been eating amazing food and drinking lovely drinks, and all of a sudden it's like, okay, now sit at this desk and work your ass off. You know, for 12 hours a day. It's like what? <laughs> but i'm I'm not home you know yeah so that is hard but uh then when it's over then yeah listen i'm not complaining man it's a it's a i live a charmed life <laughs> yeah uh, yeah it, absolutely man work hard well, play hard. it's good to get it's good to be doing another podcast getting back on we are really uh really pleased about that and yeah i mean how long is it since my talk since our tour finished that was i i'm not even spoke about that because we had a chance to podcast um but yeah, so I mean, where do I want to start really with all that? I think, I think first and foremost, um, I'd like to, you know, obviously thank everyone who who came along to to any of the shows on the tour. We had an, an absolutely great time. Do you know what I mean? Um, and it was lovely. Uh, me and Joanne, um, my fiance, we we went to all the shows together, and she uh, did all the merch. Um, stuff and she did it for experiment 637 as well so it was it was great man we had a real little family vibe going and um yeah the lads from experiment 637 are, are really really great guys as well that was 
It just makes it easier, do you know what I mean? Whenever you're doing something like that and it's it's people you get on with, it it's you know, it's a it's a lot less like stress or anything like that because everyone's helping each other out. And yeah. in fact there was one incident on the stage where because I obviously I spoke about it before, I was using my little in-ear monitors. And I was playing anyway, I think it was like halfway through um time fall, the second song, and like the the whole left side just cut out. Oh. And I was like, oh shit, well, I'm in the middle of a song. I'll just try and waggle my head a bit and see if it's a loose connection. <laughs> but no, so I thought, well, I can just about hear the click so I can carry on. And then Mickey, to bless him, Mickey Dale turned up on stage and we're like, your wires come out of your ear. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I was like, it's okay. Can you fucking put it back in so I can actually fucking hear what I'm doing? Um, but yeah, it was um, a lot of fun. A lot of fun. I mean, it's still touring touring is what it is man and you know you it's a lot of driving around and then a lot of waiting about and you know joanne was even like fucking hell it's a lot of boring times on tour <laughs> <laughs> you're like well yeah you know you get to these venues you get there like at four o'clock and that's the beauty of uh both our setups as well sort of mine and experiment 637 like really quick to set up you know, that's usually the biggest pain in the ass. Uh, all the equipment and getting set up and all those things. It can be a right nightmare. But no, man, we were like getting to venues at four o'clock and, you know, we were all finished and sound checked for five. And then you're like, right, uh, what time are we on? It's like nine o'clock. <laughs> right. it's, five, it's five o'clock. You're like, yeah. But, you know, we went for a few wanders, had a few little adventures. Um, but it was, you know, like some of the venues were awesome well they, all the venues were awesome they all had very different vibes some of them were bigger than others um like uh manchester the castle that was like a that was a teeny tiny room that a teeny room but it sounded great man it had a great pa in there and it was just like a really really good vibe but yeah it was certainly an interesting area that that venue was in it's quite funny really because because I were a bit like, oh, where am I going to have a spliff round here? Yeah. Joanne was like, are you fucking joking? I'm like, no, why? But let's just go for a walk. <laughs> go for a walk. You're like, oh, he's having a, he's having a joint. Uh, he's having, they're all having, oh, fuck it. No one gives a fuck round here, do they? <laughs> <laughs> so that worked out well for me. Um, but yeah, I've, you know, I met some fantastic people on this tour and, Everyone who came up to talk to me, you know, I, I can't thank you enough. Um, had some great conversations, a lot of people showing a lot of love and and really enjoying the shows. And, you know, people buying T-shirts and records and stuff, which obviously really, really, really grateful for any independent artist. Um, you know, really grateful whenever you're, you know, like I say, buying shirts or records or anything like that. Um, it just, 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 you know, it was brilliant, but there were certainly some interesting events, shall we say? Certainly, some interesting events oh, really? happened. A bit. Oh yeah, my my interest has peaked. No, some of them I don't even know if I should talk about on the podcast. Really, there was a horrific incident in an NCP car park, which has absolutely scarred me for life. <laughs> which yeah, I don't really know how much I should talk about that, but. Um, yeah, oh, I don't know now I've started. I feel like I've got to tell the story, but oh, a lot of people might be incredibly repulsed. <laughs> Let's hear it. 
No, well, we, you know, we were um, in an NCP car park, which is a multi-story, and it was busy, so we went up to the higher floors, and we were greeted uh, by um, a homeless dude having a shit in the uh, in the stairwell. Literally. Literally. literally oh, man. <laughs> literally. Literally. And it, it was just kind of one of those moments just really surreal, and at the same time... You, there's a weird thing going through my brain of like, well, hang on, who's got the moral high ground here? I'm really confused by this. Because if you're in a, if you're in a toilet and someone bursts in, like you have the moral high ground. But if you are going to the toilet outside of a toilet and someone comes across you, you are you do not have the moral high ground. You surrender point. the moral high ground. <laughs> <laughs> the funniest thing was me and Joanne just trying to get away as fast as possible without fucking acknowledging what was actually happening around us. <laughs> That's a real mood killer. Yeah, no, uh, that was a real mood killer. That, yeah, bless him. He's probably thought, right, I'll go up to like 10th floor or something. No one's going to bother me up here. <laughs> There's going to be no one up there. Then we just come straight through. <laughs> oh, my God. Fucking uh, hell. And a couple of people I told about it were like, well, it says you're out for parking in an NCP. <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean? I didn't realize that like, NCP was like a fucking open toilet. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, and then there was another weird incident as well, where we were, were again walking from there because we had to go back and forth to get a few, you know, a few guitars and bits and bats. And this guy just came up to me, this Dutch guy, he's a lovely, lovely guy. But we're like, oh, are you playing tonight as well? And I'm like, uh, yeah. And he's like, oh, we're playing with you. And I'm like, um, okay. And I'm stood there thinking, right, I don't know who this guy is. I don't really think he knows who I am. We're in a, we're in a you know, we're in a huge city. Why the hell does he assume that he's going to be playing the same venue as me? Yeah. Just because he's seen me carrying a guitar and a and a Kemper. And we, we, you know, we walked all the way from the car park to this venue with me going, well, they've obviously booked a third band. And, you know, we kind of spoke to him about this because, I mean, as I said, our setup being so simple kind of makes the tour work. Do you know what I mean? If you then brought a third band in who had like a drum kit and everything because you know neither of us two have a there's no drums on stage or anything so it's a really simple clean stage yeah. set up and that's the other thing a lot of these stages are really small man do you know what i mean like really small and obviously mickey and ronan had their um uh, that had the projector going so they needed to fit their screen and and i was just thinking oh man this is gonna be fucking shit and i were a bit pissed off because i was like well no one's told us about this no one said, oh, by the way, we're, we're going to put another support act on. And anyway, this this guy followed us all the way to the venue and walked into the venue with us. And I turned to Mickey and I was like, They've, they're putting another band on? And Mickey was like, eh? <laughs> and then I just saw this guy turn around and walk out of the venue. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, okay, maybe, maybe they fucking put two and two together or something. But yeah, that was... He's uh, like, that this was, isn't the bowling alley. <laughs> <laughs> Because that's the thing. He was like, oh, yeah, I'm playing playing with you guys. I'm like, what the fuck? Do you know what I mean? If I'd have been in a shit mood, I'd have been like, look, mate, who are you? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, who the fuck are you? Where are you playing? Tell me the venue so we can correlate this. But, uh, you know. Yeah. Too, too polite in that situation. Like, yeah, follow me. Let's all go. <laughs> Fucking hell. All right, you go first. Yeah. Wow. But, um, yeah, Glasgow. I think Glasgow was the best one by far. Um, a lot of that were to do with audience reaction. Like, honestly, everyone who came to Glasgow, thank you so much. You made that night 
just incredible. And you were all really awesome with Experiment 637 as well. Do you know what I mean? They got a, a lot of love from my fans, um, which is great. But they're a good band, man. Do you know what I mean? It's, they're, they're a good band. They've got some moody shit going on. Yeah. Um, you know, like really good vibes. Like, so I don't know, like Radiohead meets sort of Embrace. Um, just some really, really cool noises. And, and as I say, just really top lads. But Wow, Radiohead and Meets Embrace. That's that yeah, is that is high praise. Yeah, really, really interesting musically. Um, but the amount of people who came up to me at that gig and who did photos with me and wanted me to do messages on the phones for the friends and stuff like that, there were an awful lot of love in that room, and it's really it was really humbling. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, because you know some of the some of the gigs were busier than others and quieter than others so to speak uh but they were all great and people loved it all of them but i don't know glasgow just felt a bit more special yeah i mean gigs, gigs up there always do though but yeah there was some really really lovely people up there who just made it so much you know so it, it really did stand out above the other gigs did glasgow um a lot of love in that room and a lot of patrons were there uh but that reminds me by the way uh is uh, ross had reached out to me because he's doing something from the Barrowlands gig uh he's doing some other project and he was like oh let me get some more of your interviews do you still have those recorded oh yeah yeah so i pulled back from my one of my sim cards all the the interviews that i had recorded and, and there was a oh, there yeah. several of them i didn't share with you uh but there was definitely um a recurring theme for sure on a lot of them uh and it was from from Barrowlands, and uh some of them i think you'll get a kick out of but uh <laughs> but yeah just a lot of really those people you know obviously they love you over there and uh there's a lot of good people up in that in that area so whenever i'd love to play a couple of those for you absolutely man i'd love to hear them yeah so actually some of, the, some of them are a mix from uh from barrowlands and also from uh temple newsome so I, I don't remember which ones are which but some of these i think are are uh, pretty funny you you may have heard me say sometimes uh the uh you know, every time you do the the fuck off Pete thing, I'll be like, get to fuck. Or I'll say, fuck off. <laughs> well, I have that interview. <laughs> and uh, and here's this guy. This is where those originated. Here you go. For me, what, what stuck the test of time is just the quality of music, including the B-side. And the master plan can fuck off because the best album, <laughs> best B-sides album of all time is my little music album called jag tunes the b-side and it the master plan can get to fuck (laughs) (laughs) love that guy so he's pretty funny but here's another one part of the music's problem was they didn't fit the enemy thought people wanted to listen to well pete some of their b-sides and we wanted to listen to it some of their b's you know (laughs) and uh the music's b-side album is is better than well anything that uk has produced anywhere you know songs like Dragon Song, you know, songs like Rain Dance, and I'm begging to hear Rain Dance. When Adam played that on his uh, uh, Twitter, when he plays it and he does it, I'm like, oh, you've uh, got to play that. That's so fucking good. So we're hoping to hear, because we, we, we've heard every hit. We went to every we heard every hit. I want to hear some of the things, inconceivable as we know, thanks Pete for pushing No Danger, because that is um, fucking masterpiece. That should be, you know, an Ivan Novello or something like that, because that's just too... It has so many, it's like Pound on Android. It has three different levels of speed. It goes one way, then it goes the other way. I just think they're so underrated and it's really sad because as with the music in Britain now, it's just shit. <laughs> yeah, some, some really good points there. I think the chap's point about we didn't fit into what the NME thought people wanted to listen to. I think that's a really valid point. 
Yeah. I think that's definitely a really valid point is that, and you know, people have, people have loved our B sides from day dot. Do you know what I mean? Oh yeah. I mean, as for, as for playing things like rain dance live, do you know what? I don't know if we've ever played rain dance live. I don't know if we ever did that live. To be honest, such a great song. (laughs) Yeah, man. No, absolutely. Absolutely. It is. Here's another one from those guys. One word for Adam. Uh, Keep the faith. Don't worry about what you think in your head because everything will be all right. Unassuming legend. He would stand there like some guitarist does this. Adam just would stand there, motionless, and then hit, take the long road and walk at you like, mate, how would you even do that? (laughs) Believe in yourself. Beautiful. Because just he, keep the music going, yeah. and the Br- Britain will buy it. Because we, there's a lot of people left in this country that doesn't like Ed Sheeran and that sort of shit. <laughs> there's not many better guitarists that can just do Freedom Fighters, Truth, Take the Long Road, just as effortless as Adam. He's, and he's always been effortless. He's always looked effortless to me. It doesn't it doesn't do anything. Yeah, he's a, he's a maniac. He's fucking brilliant. <laughs> oh man, that, that it's lovely to hear stuff like that. Absolutely lovely. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I've yeah, I've always just been about playing, man. Do you know what I mean? I'm unassuming or whatever. Um, I've yeah. never, I'm, I'm not, I'm not a fucking showman. Do you know what I mean? And I never have been. Like, I'm just a fucking musician or whatever you want to say. But that's always what it's been first and foremost for me. But yeah, no, I haven't, I haven't heard any of this audio. It's great, man. <laughs> and really I don't know good. if you heard this one, but it was really funny. So even if you did, it's worth playing again. But this guy, Andy, made me laugh so hard. Listen to this. Listen to his story. Yo, so I was, I was just finished working and I just got a tweet from none other than the world famous Pete Fletcher. But then Pete <laughs> tweeted me a Zoom link. <laughs> now... I work in Zoom all the time, so I knew what it was. I'm like, okay, I want to click this. I know what I'm going to expect. I think I know what I'm going to expect. I'm going to see Pete. I clicked it. I just saw an empty chair with the ornaments in his old house, the ornaments in the background. But I knew, you know, this empty chair, it was familiar to me. So I just waited and waited. (laughs) And then I saw none other than Pete come in. I don't know, it was a little bit flustered, I think, and say, you're not Adam. I'm like no I'm not Adam I'm Andy Andy Adam maybe it's like very close in his uh, tweets so you know I, I, I think at that moment Adam then came in he came in so I was just gobsmacked I was just sat back and thinking I have Pete and Adam here I don't know why I'm here is this some kind of exclusive act? Did I sign up to something? Some um, not one-on-one, two-on-one? <laughs> it was uh, yeah. I inadvertently went into your podcast. Yeah. I don't know what number it was. You've done sixty-five today to this no. day. There's a lot. I've listened to every single one on my dog walks, on every walk, and um, appreciate it was that. It's a privilege. <laughs> no problem. It was a privilege to actually be an intruder in one of your podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> Open door policy. You're always welcome. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, yeah, that's, yeah. that's Andy, Andy Chung, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, what a top fucking guy, man. Absolutely lovely bloke. And yeah, I'll never forget that too. Because I joined the Zoom link. <laughs> Who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> Are you fucking cheating on me, Pete? What the fuck? I literally had no idea who he was when he was sitting there, and I was I was definitely dumbfounded. I was like, "Who is this guy?" 
<laughs> I, do, I, do, I do I don't think I'd ever seen him before so I didn't know what it looked like but I did see the name uh, did it come up as Andy Chung on the screen I think it did anyway um, but yeah I remember just giving you shit about that like, what's going on <laughs> Uh, and so this is the, these are the ones now I, for sure, Glasgow, but, um, y- you, you were probably still in the back, uh, like not out yet. Uh, but the crowd was electric after the show and they were, they were pretty rowdy. It was pretty funny, but here, here's a couple of clips from, uh, outside of Glasgow. So what did you think of the, what did you think of the show? Yeah, oh, fucking amazing, man. Amazing. Are you recording? Uh, fucking thought you were thank you. How was it? It was amazing, and I got the set list. Adam's set list. How was it, man? As if they're not being away, Pete. If they're not being away, awesome, awesome, bang on. That's How oh. was it? Fucking unbelievable, man. Absolutely unreal. See the four guys on stage together. That was what it was all about for me, man. I love the moment at the end as well. Just the, Rob does it. He brings them all home at the end, into the middle. That's what we're all here for. I love it. Fucking brilliant. Got to hear this guy screaming in the background. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that dude's really going for it. <laughs> Take the long road and walk yeah, um, I think I think a lot of people said that at the time. You know what I mean? And sort of like it's like oh, yeah. you've never been away, um, and I think that was definitely true, man. Uh, those gigs were they were they were fucking easy, really. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, that crowd started to morph into a much larger crowd. So we're still talking to people, and then this this happens. Unbelievable! Amazing! Best gig I've ever been to. Honestly. Absolutely. Super. Uh, huh? Excellent, amazing. Yeah. Alright, thanks. Yeah, it's pretty good, yeah. What do you guys think of the show? Yeah, it's amazing. It's maybe about eight time or something we've seen them, but that was that that different level, yeah. Honestly, the energy behind the crowds is phenomenal, mate. I agree. I know that guy's voice was killing him by the end of the night. I can fucking imagine that a lot of people have had no voice after that fucking gig. Jesus Christ! No, I still, I, you know, I still like, uh, still like reminiscing about them shows, man. Do you know what I mean? And they were, it was, it was, it yeah. was just, just easy. And I think the one thing that made it so easy is just having so much support from the crowd. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like the guy said, the energy in the crowd was off the fucking scale. It really was, and um, oh, it, know, was it was electric. A, yeah, it was. It really was, and it was an amazing energy at Temple Newsom as well. But it, obviously, Barrowlands being sort of indoors, everyone's closer to the stage, all lots, of, all that sort of thing. You could just feel it more. And I was mm. really pleased that you that you made it for that gig as well. Do you know what I mean? I really wanted you to see Barrowlands. Oh man, I was not missing that for all the tea in China, man. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, yeah, these guys go on forever. But then uh, this is, uh, you know, Brad. So Brad was there. Did you get some good footage? I'm trying. What was the best part? The whole damn thing. Yeah, every damn second. Exactly, yes. Is it worth the trip? From Toronto? You want to believe it. I would do it again. 
You want to sing Take the Long Road? No, you missed that. They were doing that. Five years, we're coming back, right, boys? Brad is such a legend, man. Oh, yeah. Honestly, I so much love for that guy. He's fucking amazing. And seeing the injury that he took at Leeds as well, fucking when the entire <laughs> crowd surged over to the right and they all fucking went on his knee and his knee fucking nearly went in half. Yeah. Oh, my God. And he's just there like, I don't give a shit. And I'm like, fuck that, man. You need to go and see someone about that. <laughs> he's fucking probably ripped your ligaments in half and you just don't give a shit. <laughs> I don't know. I think when people have got that much love for something, though, you you know, you get extra energy, don't you? Like a fucking adrenaline surge or something. But I did think he's going to get on that plane home, start flying home, and like four or five hours into that journey, his knee is going to turn into a balloon. Do you oh, know yeah. what I mean? As, as he finally sobers up, and he's like, oh my God, what the fuck have I done to my leg? Oh, yeah. That night, totally fine. The next morning was probably like, ooh. <laughs> yeah. And he's, I thought he must be like six foot eight or something, bro. Oh, he's know? a big dude. I took a picture with him and you, and and I was like in the middle, like a like like an infant. Yeah, Brad yeah. makes me look tiny. Yeah, it genuinely makes me look tiny. Yeah, he's a big dude. But um, yeah, man, um, I, I love I love all those clips, and you went above and beyond getting all that audio as well, man. Do you know what I mean? It was fucking such such an amazing set of evenings shall we say and yeah i make no secret about it man i want to do it again yeah i want to do it again i want to do it again um hey even the, just... even the mccullies were there so what was your favorite part? <laughs> oh dear, uh, 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 no danger is emotional the people was absolutely off the charts uh uh, uh i don't know I, i'm very quite speechless about it all to be <laughs> Ask Nicola, ask Nicola. Oh, oh bless him. I don't know, I loved all of it. I don't know. <laughs> it was brilliant. Did you like it? Yeah, great. Thank you. It was so amazing. They switched to the people. <laughs> In the background, they were chanting the people. <laughs> that, that, that place was, it was wild afterwards. It was pretty funny. Yeah, I don't know. Like Glasgow was just so special as well because it was like all this... Hi- well not hype but it we've been building up to them gigs for so long and then obviously with the cancellation and then the, the 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 year delay you know for everyone to finally be there on that night um yeah, oh, yeah. no absolutely really really special uh i stitched ross up though and you saved him didn't you because i was like uh right ross i'll put you on the guest list and i'll get you these little passes so you can go on this balcony thing i totally forgot <laughs> about sorting out the balcony thing it completely slipped my mind so i think ross nearly ended up doing with something which no man should ever ever do which is start kicking off in the barrow land <laughs> <laughs> you know you, you're not gonna survive very long if you start kicking off and making a scene in the barrow lands and i think ross was so adamant that he's like no like he said he'd get me a pass so I could sit on this balcony bit and I just, it fucking totally slipped my mind. <laughs> so you saved his life, didn't you? You gave him yours so we could get on. Yeah, I was sitting in the, I was already sitting back there chilling and uh, I was like looking at my phone. I think I was actually messaging you. You were backstage and uh, I get a message on Twitter and it's Ross and he's like, Pete, I'm right in front of you. Look, look over here. You know, it's like a distress signal and I look up and here he is just waving his flailing his hand. And he's like trying to get my attention. I'm like, oh, I guess that's Ross. Like, like the signal from Team America. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, so yeah, it was so funny because, like you said, he was like he was like popping off, and they were not having it. And I was just like, "What's the problem?" And they were like, "Oh, he doesn't have a pass." I was like, "Oh, hold on," and I just took mine off and I gave it to them, and I handed it to him. I go, "Now he has one," and they walked right in. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. So you didn't even hide the fact you were giving it to him? Well, I had two, and so yeah, yeah, I I handed uh, it. Uh. I gave one to Nicola, and then I just took the other one, and 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 she was like, at this point, I think she had had enough. She's like, just just go, just get. <laughs> Uh, that was funny oh man Um, speaking of ross um and i i have a couple of other clips some of these are a little longer but i did paul moran who's a podcast listener big fan of the music uh you know aka giant frying pan (laughs) yeah 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 he uh was a self-proclaimed uh, road uh, reporter <laughs> uh, at the uh, art exhibit when you guys went up there. To, oh yeah, man! Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, to Glasgow, and he captured a, a couple of a uh, couple of interviews from uh, from there. Here's the first one. He spoke to you. Hello again. This is Paul, the roving reporter. Okay, first of all, the roving reporter is hilarious, and. <laughs> Working on behalf of Pete Fletcher. Okay, secondly, why is he working on my behalf? Because <laughs> he loves you. Because everyone <laughs> fucking loves you. He says on all these, he's working on behalf of Pete Fletcher. Like that somehow gives some <laughs> credibility or something. But anyway. And we're here at Rowan's Gallery in Ellensburg. Ellensburg, not the neighbors Ellensburg, but Ellensburg, uh, Scotland. Uh, and I'm here with Adam Nutter, the composer of Badlands on Fire. And we're here at Ross McCulley's opening exhibition. Adam, how are you doing today, sir? Now then, now then. How was your trip up? Oh, God. <laughs> Me knob stuck. Right, so we've got a couple of questions for the pod. I know it doesn't yeah. sound right, but nevertheless, my fucking knob stuck. How does it feel to know that Badlands on that Fire has a visual stuck. permanence, both here in Rowan's Gallery and in the homes of those that purchase the art? I'm so confused. I completely agree. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> So thanks, Paul, for uh, collecting that awesome interview. Uh, <laughs> no, no, I actually do have some uh, some real interviews, but uh, he did he did talk to some folks while he was there, and uh, yeah, we we I wanted to share those, but we just got so crazy busy. So, uh, but yeah, he did catch some really good interviews. Uh, he did talk to you about it, and here's the one where he spoke to you. Hello again. This is Paul, the roving reporter working on behalf this is the of real one. Fletcher, and we're here at Rowan's Gallery. Ellensburg, Ellensburg, not the neighbors Ellensburg, but Ellensburg, uh, Scotland. Uh, and I'm here with Adam Nutter, the composer of Badlands on Fire, and we're here at Ross McCulley's opening exhibition. Adam, how are you doing today, sir? Absolutely fantastic. Thank you very much. How was your trip up? Fine, absolutely fine. The roads were very quiet, so it was a nice, a nice trip up. Although I did have to stop and put some screen washing because the amount of dead bugs on my windscreen, I couldn't see through it. But other than that, yeah, absolutely <laughs> lovely trip up, yeah. I think the claim is quite the contrast to when you're up here filming Dream Twister. Absolutely, it's quite the contrast from I mean, setting off from Leeds. It's summer up here. Summer's proper arrived up here, hasn't it? <laughs> right, so we've got a couple of questions for the pods. Um, first one, getting right into it. So each of Ross's artworks is now inextricably linked with your music. How does it feel to know that Badlands on Fire has a visual permanence, both here in Rowan's Gallery and in the homes of those that purchase Paul's pretty good at this. Oh, it, it's amazing. And it's, um, I think I've said quite a few times, I, I never expected it to, to work out as, as well as it did. I mean, I, I knew from seeing Ross's works initially, I mean, that was what made me ask Ross because... Um, 
I could just see straight away that the, the landscapes he was capturing from his trips to Iceland and things and the, the soundscapes that were being created as part of Badlands. I just saw an, an opportunity for exactly what you describe, um, that sort of eternal visual link uh, in the prints and, and the originals. And yeah, it, I'm, I'm very proud of the whole thing. You know, Ross has got a lot to be proud of himself for. And um, because I know, I know how much work he put into these. Um, I think, you know, musically, the album came together so naturally and I was full of pent-up creativity from years and not creating and I think Ross was kind of in a very similar place um but I do know that for something like Skyfires I know he you know he, he did loads of versions of that before he, he landed on the one that he liked and yeah it's just incredible seeing them all lined up here it was beautiful seeing them at Leeds but it wasn't the perfect environment lighting wise but they look absolutely incredible here and it's um I just think it, it elevates the record, it elevates the, the whole thing, having having this visual link, like you say, of such class as well. Do you know what I mean? I completely agree. From a biased fan perspective, I, I would say if you looked at this project, the music, the artwork, the upcoming book, if you look at it as a whole, you wouldn't be able to tell or you wouldn't be able to claim that it wasn't a cohesive one. Uh, it just works and complements each other circularly in any sort of way that you want to look at it, I think. Absolutely, absolutely. And it was quite scary, really, um, <clears throat> seeing seeing each painting as it came in. And it, you know, I mean, I had sort of pictures in my head of thinking, oh, will it look like that? Will it look like this? And it, it, it's scary how it's just captured the the feeling and the vibe of each song in, in a still image. Do you know what I mean? And um, yeah, the the cohesion that you refer to, that's that's something I'm, you know, very proud of and very pleased with how because it's got such a strong identity. Like the, the the entirety of the record, the entirety of the art and um, yeah, it's got such a strong identity and very cohesive and stands on its own and yeah, it's um, it's just like an amazing feeling knowing that people have got the album and they're enjoying it, and then for the people who who bought the bought the canvases, they, it's got like a, a lasting legacy. Do you know what I mean? Beyond just a record, that's what I mean by it. The art just elevates the whole thing and and turns it into something very very special. Yeah, for sure. Why were you scared about it? What was the scary part? Yeah, I think what I, I think what I was probably referring to is probably not scary literally, but just um, surreal. That's probably more the word surreal. Like I don't know anyone who's ever done anything creative. Like when it really works, it, it's weird. You get that imposter syndrome thing, and ah. you just fucking hell. This is this is actually this is actually great, man. Do you know what I mean? This is that. This has actually worked, and I don't know if it's that that I was referring to more than anything. Um, but yeah, Ross has now sold all of the paintings. All gone. From, yeah, from the collection. So I'm really, really pleased for him. Um, you know, I don't know a great deal, if anything, about art, really, but I think to sell all the works from a project in a relatively quick time uh, as an artist, I think that's that brings a lot of uh, kudos to your work. Um, and yeah, a, a big big shout out to Chris Parker as well, who, who actually bought three. Oh he wow! Actually bought, yeah, he bought three. Man, that's uh, 
that's going above and beyond is that. Um, but yeah, still a lot of love for the, the project. And that was the, the great thing about taking it on tour as well. You know, it's very easy to, it's one thing putting tweets out and reading people's replies, and which is great. Don't get me wrong. I love it. But when you're actually out there talking to people and you can, you know, visibly see them and hear what they're saying and hear the tone and how much it, it means to people, um, that, that really, that really means the world. Do you know what I mean? And there's too many names really to sort of, to thank for all the people that came and all the people who, you know, came, took me to one side and sort of said, look, you know, thanks so much for everything you do because it, it brings a lot to to our to my life or whatever it makes a big difference and yeah it, it's weird I, you know i'm still like people were coming up to me going oh my god and i i was sort of turning around looking over my shoulder sort of who, are the, who, who have they seen uh, <laughs> that's hilarious <laughs> you know what I mean? that's just me that's me all over is that that it's absolutely me all over um but yeah it was it was amazing and playing them songs as well live because it, it just takes on another it takes on a whole new life, does that record, when you play it live. It really does. And oh, I yeah. think that's something that a lot of people noticed and really enjoyed um, is, like, it just kind of elevates it live. I don't know, it just injects a lot more, I don't know, it just injects a lot more vibe into it. Um, but, yeah, there was they were fucking brilliant shows. They really were. And it was really fun to be driving around the country and, and meeting people who were so enthusiastic about your tunes, do you know what I mean? And it was some of it was some there was some long haul days on that tour, man. Do you know what I mean? Like Glasgow and London, mm-hmm. because that was pretty much set off at eleven in the morning, drive for five hours, you know, do the show, and then get back in the car and drive yeah. back down. Do you know what I mean? And yeah, obviously, when whenever I've toured in the past, I just get on a bus and fucking chill out, and off you go. But doing the driving ourselves. And yeah, uh, coming home from London as well. Oh, well, that was a fucking nightmare, actually. Getting to London was absolutely fine. Parking was fine. Everything, because they're all that's all the shit I worry about. You're like, where are we going to park? How far is that going to be away? Like, you know what I mean? How much is bloody parking going to cost? All this fucking bullshit. But yeah, London and Lund- Slaughtered Lamb as well. What an awesome venue that is. But yeah, getting out of London, even at whatever time it was, like 11 o'clock at night, fucking hell. <laughs> absolutely insane and i've people dr- people fucking drive like maniacs in london they fucking do and anyway so we managed to because it was quite funny really because obviously you've got your congestion charges and all those sorts of things for london which we all accepted having gone down there but one thing we hadn't taken into account um because mickey and ronan actually got a a, a little splitter bus with a driver um because they didn't want to do the drives but yeah it got to like I think it got to about quarter to 11 and then their driver came along and said you do realize that if we're all here past midnight we've got to pay again oh, for all, all the congestion charges and dirty car charges and that so all of a sudden it became a massive fucking shit <laughs> do you know what i mean everyone's throwing shit in the car like quick let's get going fast and then try to get across london with all the fucking maniac drivers there and we, we, and because the lad was like, look, it's 40 minutes to get out of the Ule, whatever it's called, the bloody zone. Um, and anyway, we did get out of the zone and got onto the motorway. And it's the first time in my life I've ever done 15 miles an hour on a motorway. The fucking rain 
the rain that I mean, I've seen really bad rain. Everyone's seen bad rain. I've never seen rain that bad in my fucking life. Literally, I've never seen rain that bad in my life. We were genuinely doing 15, maybe 20 miles an hour on motorway. And you still couldn't see fuck all. Do you know what I mean? When your wipers are going at fucking blur miles an hour and it's just making no difference. <laughs> just, it was, and like, honestly, I nearly saw one of the, we nearly saw a couple of terrible fucking accidents. Terrible, really. A National Express coach that looked like it were being driven by a fucking getaway driver. Honestly, like he nearly wiped out four or five cars. He could have killed people. Honestly, it was fucking terrifying, especially like coupled with that rain. Because that's the thing. Some people were still fucking doing 70, 80 miles an hour in this rain. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it's like, you're fucking driving on the sea. Like your tyres aren't going to have any contact with this road because it's one foot under this fucking water. That's definitely you know, Italy. <laughs> it wasn't like, oh, Christ, don't get me started on Italy. Fucking hell. I've nearly <laughs> died in Italy several times, and it's always drivers who pick you up from the airport, just some random, like, driver in inverted commas. And it's like, uh, hey, mate, do you mind slowing down? Yeah. <laughs> I'm really planning to be going 135 miles an hour in a fucking car just after I've got off this plane. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, I definitely know what you mean. My wife is not shy either, man. She's the first to tell him, uh, excuse me. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to die today. So if you don't either, I'd slow down because I'm sat behind you and I'm wearing a belt and it's going round your neck in a minute. <laughs> oh, that, that wouldn't be conducive to a nice driving experience. But no. yeah, that's all. I've probably said it before on the podcast, actually. That's something that I was always really paranoid of. Uh, some sort of accident um totally out of our control and our team's control i.e when it's just like a random driver that the the label or the promoters are sent to pick you up from the airport who fucking drive like an absolute psychopath fucking terrifying mm-hmm. had some scary moments in france as well similar thing but yeah italy it is generally like no holds barred over there <laughs> um i remember in milan as well just how the fuck does anyone drive around them places yeah you know what I mean? I just think you've got to have a very different attitude towards cars. Um, I mean, the best place for that is fucking Paris, isn't it? Oh, no yeah. one gives a fucking shit. I, you know, that's what a bumper is for in Paris when you're parking. You're like, right, there's that car. Right, there's that car. <laughs> now, just keep doing that. Yeah. Driving in the Arc de Terror. <laughs> with no no lines just a complete massive circle of cars of just yeah. people going every direction insane yeah yeah yeah, no. yeah but the art uh you know the exhibit that you did it really you know back to back to ross's paintings that are all sold but they really definitely created like the songs have a certain vibe and i really feel like that those those paintings kind of like meshed well and created like, you know, it really supported the vibe. It didn't, it didn't help the vibe. It, it complemented the vibe. Like it was already, it's like a beautiful song. And then this music is like, Oh, okay. But then on top of that, you guys went and did a video and, uh, and I, I, uh, I heard an interview with Nicola that I found interesting about the weather, uh, and how that affected the video. And so here's Nicola sharing her experience filming the video for Badlands on Fire. Hello, this is Paul again on behalf of Pete Fletcher. Here he goes again with the on behalf of Pete Fletcher. <laughs> I love it. And I'm here at Runs Gallery in Helensburg, Scotland with Nick McCulley. Uh, so Nick, you are an intrinsic part of Badlands on Fire. What's been some of your highlights on 
bringing that creative uh, sort of vision to fruition? Um, well, I would say my favourite part was working on the Dream Twister video. Uh, that was a particular highlight for me. Um, yeah, working working on the video was was, was really fantastic. Um, just I suppose what we had set out to do originally, we had to change that plan. Um, the weather, in particular, just was against us, and we had to sort of work really creatively to get the vision that we wanted. Um, no, uh, I recall Adam very uh, frequently was teasing a trip. So I remember this quite vividly, and listeners might do as well. He, he kind of teased that he was going on his summer holidays or winter holidays, but he was actually going up to Helensburg to work on this project. Um, it would have been perhaps better to film it on a sunny June day such as today. But would you say that filming it in those kind of harsh conditions, it really does come through and gives an extra edge and really conveys the, the, the sort of contrast of Ross's artwork Adam's music and as well uh, your sort of uh, design house as well. Yeah, so I think um, I think with the with the, the weather um, we had that sort of added element of of the, the sea. So when I went into the water and, and filmed those sections, we had the, the waves sort of crashing over and things, and that sort of added the texture that that's in Ross's paintings. We had those elements from from the sea in the, in the video. Um, I think that really helps add something to it. Um, yeah, no, that was that was really that was really great getting to, to do that and film those sections um, that were added to this. That's awesome. I wish I had one tenth of the talent that you, your husband, and Adam do. I don't. Um, thanks so much for your time and uh, thanks for listening. Uh, Paul, so much talent. Don't don't undersell yourself there, buddy. <laughs> Oh yeah, uh, I love Nicola. I love I love Ross, Nicola, and they. I love them all to bits. Um, genuinely understated talent. And one thing I will say is, obviously, I've made uh, a lot of music videos, seen a lot of music videos being made. I've seen a lot of music videos being storyboarded and conceptualized. Ross and Nicola could genuinely make videos um, super, super professionally. Do you know what I mean? For for really big bands. Do you yeah. know what I mean? If I had the, you know, I'd love to be able to put them forward for, I don't know, fucking anyone fucking it's massive bands. Do you know what I mean? They, they could, they, well, uh, without a shadow of a doubt, they are capable. Like if you gave them like a budget, because that's, <laughs> that's one thing that this project sorely lacked was <laughs> any kind of real budget. But yeah, if um, the, what what those two did with what we had was just a blew my it genuine, and I'm not just saying it. it and I, like I've said, just said, I've worked on you know two hundred thousand dollar budget music videos, and they haven't come out anywhere near as well as Dream Twister came out. And it was fa- as I said in the book, and probably said before, it was fascinating watching them work and being stood around them while they were kind of muttering to each other, you know, and bouncing ideas off each other. I absolutely loved it. I love going up there, and um, yeah, Nicola is uh, a a genuine talent. Like she's got vast talents in all sorts of different areas, and but she, you know, she was desperate to put on a wetsuit and get in that water. She oh, knows I'm sure. She- yeah, come on. <laughs> It's like right, I ain't a wetsuit in ages. I'm getting in there. <laughs> but it just the, how how the whole thing looks and how the whole thing works, and you know, like I said, when 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 they told me their ideas, I were like, well, I don't really know how it's going to look, but 
I trust these two. And do you know what I mean? So we just, yeah, it was uh, uh, a magical time. Absolutely magical time. The video's fucking insane. The video's I feel like great. I repeat myself now, but um, yeah, it really, well, the project wouldn't have worked or happened without, without them two really. And the amount of times like I was able to call on them and be like, look, um, like even down to when I were trying to get the CDs made, just silly things like emailing the the manufacturers and them asking me questions and using terminology that I fucking didn't know what it meant. And I had to spend ages trying to read up on what the terminology was. And eventually I just went, Nicola, can you please help me? And she was like, yeah, no problem. And Nicola fucking sorted it out in no time at all. Do you know what I mean? Because she understood all the terminology and yeah, I owe them an awful lot. Um, well, yeah, and even the star of the video was there on hand to uh, share a couple of words with us. Oh, with did he our... get? Did he get? A, did he get a chat with Theo? He sure did. Here we go. Oh, Roving huh? reporter Paul Moran. So this is Paul, and I'm with Nick and Theo McCulley. We're in Ravens Gallery in Helensburgh, Scotland. And a question I've got for you, Theo, because you were in Adam Nutter's video Dream Twister, so you're a movie star. This has thousands of views on YouTube. <laughs> and my question is. What video would you like to be in next? Um, uh, I don't actually know. <laughs> you don't know? Minecraft? <laughs> Probably. Minecraft video. Would you be a streamer for Minecraft or would you build something awesome? And what if you recreated Badlands on Fire in Minecraft? Like, I'd probably do like a pixel art of it, maybe. A pixel art? <laughs> well, we're waited, waiting with bated breath to see your artwork in Minecraft and that's going to be the start of your lucrative uh, fine art career. Thanks, Theo. Thanks very much. <laughs> oh, man, Theo is so cute. He's so cute. Even if he did nearly snap my leg in half. Although some people would say that was my own fault, but I, I don't, Theo was the one who wanted to race, so I'm not sure it was my... <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> such, a, such a great kid, and he really is a credit to Ross and Nicola. Do you know what I mean? You meet some young kids in the fucking little shits. Do you know what I mean? You're like, oh, yeah. fucking parents want here, I would fucking slap you. <laughs> I'm only joking. I'd never do that. But you can think those things. But no, Theo is just an absolute pleasure to be around. An absolute pleasure. Uh, a genuine, lovely young man. And um, I've no doubt he's going to grow up to be extremely talented, just like his parents. Absolutely no doubt. Uh, and it, yeah, it just, just amazing. Love the kid. Love him to bits. Bless him. <laughs> Good stuff. Right, so after getting uh, lost in all those memories, which I love doing, uh, one thing I do want to touch on is something that's probably on a lot of people's minds and lips and whatever, is the reissues. Now, I don't have... The only update I've got is that there are no updates. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, like I've said numerous times, we are we are um part of the crowd on this one we're not involved um so we don't know what's going on they even went to the trouble of sending us that timeline you know even though they said we're letting you know about this but we don't have to but here you go <laughs> and that said um it was an october release for the first and second record then february release for the second and the beast uh, the third and the b-side collection obviously the october day has long been and gone and we've heard nothing I've had um, our, I've had Tony, uh, the music manager, reach out to see if he can find out um, what's going on, if there's delays, and we've had nothing back. So unfortunately, I've got nothing to to really update you with on that fact. 
And I know, I know, look, I know it's pissing a lot of people off because I'm getting a ton of messages still. Um, and look, the second I know anything, trust me, you lot will all know. I'm not going to get some information and then sit on it for weeks or even days or even hours. I won't do that to you all because I know how much uh, a lot of um, the people out there want to get their hands on these reissued vinyls. So the second that we do find out anything, I mean, you know, the only thing I can presume is that there's been a delay, which is fine. These things do happen. You do get delays, especially when it comes to vinyl production. That's still that's still difficult to to get things in on schedule when it comes to vinyl production. Although that shouldn't be the case for someone like UMG. Do you know well, what I mean? That really shouldn't be the case for someone like Universal Music Group. If anyone's getting shit made rapid, it's them. So it might not be down to that. I don't know. Maybe they'll just spit the whole lot out at, at once on, on, was it February 2nd? Maybe everything will just come then. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> They're messing up my Christmas list. <laughs> yeah, man, that's it. That's it. I think a lot of people have probably been thinking like that. Oh, that'd be great Christmas presents, but I'm afraid if you are waiting on them, you like I say, we're all in the same boat. I just don't want people thinking. Um, well, I've gone to, I've gone to a lot of lengths to. Uh, well, I don't want to sound patronising, but I've gone to a lot of lengths to kind of educate people on the process behind the reissues and how we're not involved. Um, it's something the record company own the records, so that it's totally down to them to to do as they as they wish. Like as I've said, they don't even have to inform us. It's nice when they do, and it would be just nice if they kept it, you know, because they went to the trouble of saying just so you know we're releasing this then and that then. So if they'd done that, you'd think they might come forward and be like, oh, again, just so you know, there's been a delay or something like that. Do you know what I mean? Just so I can keep people updated, because I feel like a bit of a twat. Do you know what I mean? I feel like a bit of a twat and I feel like there's probably people out there that think I'm talking shit. I'd like to think I've got enough kudos that people don't think I'm talking shit. I'm literally just relaying facts. But when I originally started talking about it, I did think, oh, well, what happens if they don't come out at the... All I can do is relay what I'm told. Do you know what I mean? And we were told they were coming. The date's been and gone and we've been told nothing more. Oh, so yeah, God. certainly... <laughs> on that, you and your fucking self. on that on that no um it's just a case of waiting it's just a waiting game now and hopefully i'll get some news that i can relay to you that will be good news that will be good news do you know what i mean hopefully we get to that point sooner rather than later hey it sounds great man <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, it sucks. It, it would have been nice to have some uh, some of the some of those under the Christmas tree, but yeah, I get Sorry, it. I'm, it's I'm not your fault. Sound pad. There's a load of birds tweeting here. The fuck! I can't Sorry, even. <laughs> <Did> you... <laughs> <laughs> you played some tweet sounds for me. <laughs> I'm just fucking trying to press the fuck off, Pete. Button. Fuck off, Pete. But in the process, I, I pressed every other every other button. <laughs> Yeah, I also wanted to thank all my patrons who, who come to the live streams and make those as much fun as they are because they've really started to take on a new life of the live streams and I fucking can't get enough of it. Honestly, I really can't. It's so much fun. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, you know, if anyone does want to become a patron and sort of become part of the community, 
you can do that via Podbean, uh, the little pay, become a patron button in the top right corner, or you can go to any of my socials and click on the link tree, and yeah, you'll be directed to Patreon via there. And even if you're just signing up for the five dollar tier, which is like I don't know, like three pound twenty a month or something like that, that gets you in the live streams, man. Gets you in the live streams. So we have. <laughs> We have a lot of fun in those. We have, and especially in like now where I just drink copious amounts of gin and go off on one. (laughs) (laughs) I'm telling you, man, it adds a lot to my life. It really does. I fucking have a right laugh. It's just like being sat in the pub with a load of people who, you know, all having the same sort of crack. But yeah, the live streams really have been a laugh recently. Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun. And, also, I want to thank all the patrons for the reactions to the latest song, which was Dancing on the Sun, which is something I'm really, really proud of. And um, because that's come after a, a period of trying to kind of write, like I said before, creativity is very fickle. It comes and goes. And yeah, I was really pleased to be able to put something out for patrons of such high quality, really. And um, that's really inspired me to, I really feel like I'm back on it creatively now, which is a really good thing. I haven't had a chance to uh, give you my review of that song. Okay. Hey, it sounds great, man. <laughs> it really does, though. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going to press that. <laughs> <laughs> no, it does. It was funny because uh, when I got back from my trip, um, you had sent a link for the live stream, but then it, it 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 surfaced up the link for the song, and I hadn't seen it before that. So I was like, as soon as I jumped on the live stream, I was like, what's this other email? I was like, oh, he sent this to me. So I... Gave it a quick listen before I jumped on the live stream. I was like, oh, this, and I've played it a hundred times since, but it's a really good song. And uh, I know a lot, for the folks that haven't heard it yet, like it's definitely Adam, you know, getting a little bit more comfortable with the vocals and uh, it, it really sounds good. Like, I, you know, and we talked about this about, you know, there's different vocal styles and stuff like that, but you definitely have a, a good vocal style. And I love the fact that you can feel... When I hear you sing it, I feel like you're feeling the song, which is actually something that you want from any musician. So, yeah, hats off, man. Good job. Thank you very much, mate. Thank you. Yeah, I I, I know that I don't have a great voice, but I also know that I, I, I am able to convey, you know, even not even with not such a great voice, I can easily convey the the emotion and what the song is about it's like uh rick mcnamara the wasp always refers to it as like an honest vocal do you know what i mean whereas you know you're not some fucking pavarotti you know not the, probably not a great example but you know what i mean not some technically gifted well like rob rob is a technically gifted singer as well as numerous other things uh is a technically gifted singer and that's always been something that i've like wanted and never had and i've always been shy about my voice but yeah it's great to get such good feedback and build confidence and get to a point where i'm like i don't give a fuck i don't give a fuck what people say <laughs> i enjoy it i feel it and yeah that that latest i think that latest one's genuinely the best thing that i've done i think that's genuinely the best thing that i've done it's also probably the most like poppy it's probably the most sort of pop song thing that i've done but i ain't got a fucking problem with that do you know what i mean it, it worked it's catchy as sin yeah that's Absolutely. the thing i mean really really catchy and it's quite simple as well and it's just another example of um how it goes when you get inspired because i think it took me 20 minutes to do that song i mean i'd i'd been messing about with the, the music behind it so to speak the chord sequence and 
couple of noises. I think I've been messing around with that for under 24 hours, but still I'd, 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 I'd kind of had time to put something together, but yeah. in like, uh, I don't know. It, I think we touched on this on the Tim Burgess podcast about the, the psychology behind writing and when you come up with summer and like the thought process of, Oh fucking hell. Well, what if I didn't make that decision to do that then? Would that song have never existed? Or the, or the next time I tried to write something, would that have come out anyway? I don't know, but um, it was a good learning process for me as well because, you know, it was something that I wasn't mega excited about musically. I'm just like, it kind of sounds vibey, but I don't know. And then I was just like, right, I'm just going to have a little, a, a little smoke and then go back and listen to it in the evening. And straight away, I was like, oh, fuck, I can, I've got a massive idea here. And then it was like 20 minutes of, right, I've got chorus melody a verse melody i need lyrics the lyrics came really quickly all all 20 minutes half an hour or something like that so yeah absolutely great um did a, it's done a lot for me is that yeah re- really really proud of it and i'm really pleased that um people have enjoyed it as much as they have are you going to release it to the public or how does that work well that's a great question I, I, yeah i want to i want to it, that's kind of where I'm still at, really, in terms of deciding what I'm doing next, um, in what album I'm going to make. Because I, I could make several different albums. Um, so it's kind of about honing in on exactly what I want to do. Because one minute I can write something that sounds like something, and then the next day I write something that bears zero resemblance to the thing I wrote the day before in style, in feeling everything. And, um, you know, when you, when you, when you try to make a record and make it cohesive, which is something I think is important. And again, I've touched on it with Badlands lots of times about how that's got such a strong identity. And I think that's what I'm looking for now. And it's also kind of battling with, you know, do Am I singing? Am I finding a singer? Because I've got different opinions from different people. Some people are still like, I really think you should have, you know, a technically gifted singer singing your songs. I think it would take them to a much wider audience. That's all well and good, but it's finding someone. It's finding someone. It's finding someone that's prepared to work with me. And, you know, there's not a lot of people out there where you can be like, right, I've written this song. Here's a melody. Here's the lyrics. Can you please sing it? Do you know what I mean? Like lots of great singers all have their own ideas, their own yeah. design things. And I've got no idea. I've got no problem with someone going, yeah, I've listened to it. I think it'd be better if we did this. I'm completely down for that. Completely down for it. But yeah, like I say, um, I think that's something that's been holding me back for a long time. The debate or, you know, the sort of the people who look after me and advise me. Some people are like, yeah, fuck it, just sing yourself, man. And then other people are like, no, I think you'd be doing a disservice to your material. I think we need to find a really great singer. Is that we've got to fucking find one then? Because I fucking can't. And all the while, I'm just sitting here twiddling my thumbs with all this material building up. And that's something I've spoke about before. You know what I mean? It's like I've got all these fucking songs everywhere and there's loads of them that are great, man. You know, some of them are okay and then some of them are not that good and bits of them get used and turned into something else that turned out to be great but the fact of the matter is is i've got tons of material and i want to get it out there all right Um, fine i'll sing for you my goodness (laughs) twist my arm jeez all right just send over the lyrics (laughs) fucking hell um yeah so i do want to bring that material to the general public course i do but look you know bringing it to my patrons 
the people who support me directly, that is a big, big deal to me. Do you know what I mean? That's a that's a that's a big deal to me, uh, and I get a lot of um, buzz and feedback and satisfaction from that. But yeah, of course, man, of course, I want to take it to a uh, a bigger a bigger place, but. I want to do it justice. It's like Badlands. Badlands could have come out a lot earlier than it did, but I wanted to take the time to make it perfect. Do you know what I mean? I don't want to release something that there's bits of it that annoy me, although there is one problem with Badlands, and it's only on the vinyl, and its salvation cuts off too fast at the end. <laughs> and it's something that I didn't properly catch when proofing. Ah. kind of pisses me off. It kind of... I've, I've let it go, but there is a bit of me that's like, oh man, Salvation cuts off too early and it's the last song, it's the end of the record. And if someone had reached out to me and just said, look, we are a few seconds too long to fit. Because you see, you have a problem with vinyl, whereas you only have a finite amount yeah, of, of space for a piece of vinyl. You can push it slightly, but you do so at the degradation of the audio. So that's not something I would have done. But if someone had said, look, it don't quite fit. I'd have been like, well, trim a few fucking seconds off the end of Skyfires, which has got quite a meandering end to it. You could have trimmed some of that off and then I had a nice fade out on Salvation, but you live and learn. You live and learn with these things. Nice. So yeah, I think that's going to do it for episode 89. Um, I did really want to get to 100 episodes before Christmas, but... Let's go, man. Lean in. Let's do it. Well, fucking <laughs> let, if you're up for it, if you're Pete, if you're up for it and available... How many weeks is it till Christmas? There's like four less. We're going to hit one every day from now to Christmas. Let's do it. <laughs> I'm fucking up for it. If we can get someone to talk about, man, I'm fucking more than up for it. If you're available, that'd be great. That'd be great. I'd certainly love to get some more productivity out around this podcast. I certainly would because I really do enjoy it. And I think I suffer again from being paranoid that, you know, having great content to talk about or whatever, when really we can just shoot the shit about, oh, as far as I'm fucking concerned, you know what I mean? There's people out there that just love listening to us chat, but yeah, we'll see, we'll see, we'll see, but I'd certainly, I'd certainly like to do that, certainly like to do that, get to 100 episodes. But yeah, I think that's going to do it for this episode. Um, as I say, really pleased to get back recording, really pleased to talk to Pete. And uh, me and Pete have got a lot more talking to do because uh, he's going to be one of the best men at my wedding. Next year. Hey, it sounds great, man. So maybe we can talk about that on the next podcast. We'll talk about that a bit more on the next podcast. Uh, but yeah, until then, thank you everyone that listens to the podcast, even though we don't upload regularly. You know, I love the fact that people are still sat, sat waiting, ready for an episode to drop. And again, thank you to everyone that came to the tour, uh, everyone that bought merch, um, or even people who bought things from my Townsend shop, uh, everyone who came up to me and wanted to shake my hand and take a picture. And yeah, it's just all, it's all great, man. So yeah, thank you very much. Thank you to you, Pete Fletcher, as always, you motherfucker. Fuck off, Pete. Right, and on that note, um, we'll speak to you all in the next one. Thank you, bye. <laughs> uh...